Well, hello. Welcome to episode 11, I think, of Jay Flunks' Ignorance. I'm sitting here uh, with Andre. Uh, want, do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Um, I'm Andre Simonis. I'm an agile coach, trainer, scrum master, developer, whatever else. I uh, work with 180 Services. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so for the non-computer programmer among my audience, which may what? be everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not a tech podcast, so. Oh, okay. There's lots of non-tech stuff on here. Um, the idea here is that, um, in, well, how about I, I'll, I'll give an intro to what Agile is and then you mm-hmm. can slap me and <laughs> screw this up a million times. So that the, there exists a, I'm a computer programmer by training and there exists a concept in computer stuff, uh, called Agile. And the idea, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is that, um, a lot of very large, uh, software, um, systems that get very complicated, get bogged down in a lot of politics and a lot of, uh, organizational and bureaucratic kind of red tape. When things get really complicated and you've got dozens of programmers and lots and lots of QA quality assurance people and lots of different people with their hands in the software that it, things can start to slow down and grind to a halt. And there's a concept called agile programming, which are not just programming, but agile as a as a broad umbrella of things, including policies and procedures and uh, management styles mm-hmm. or techniques, that this thing called Agile is this way to uh, try to cope with a lot of uh, gridlock that historically has happened mm-hmm. in very large software companies. Is it, how did I do? You did pretty good. You did Excellent. pretty good. I'd like to add just a couple <laughs> things. Um, yeah. It's also um, a way to get feedback quickly. So in these bureaucratic organizations that you've talked about, one of the, the gridlock that happens is you never get any feedback from who you're delivering to. So the idea is to get it in front of them because we know things change and then get shorten those feedback loops as quickly as, as to be as short as possible. So you get feedback soon, sooner than later, uh, so you can make changes. Yeah, so hopefully you deliver a better product faster. The, exactly. Because you have these iterative cycles of feedback as opposed right. to... Six months later, somebody says, hey, you know that thing you worked on six months ago? It's wrong. Exactly. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about because I can't remember what I did six days ago, let alone <laughs> right. six months ago. Yeah. Right. And it is uh, going into other industries like marketing. I guess a lot of marketing departments are starting to use Agile ideas, I suppose. Oh, really? And adapting it. Oh, yeah. And there's Agile organizations just in every department, I suppose. There's different flavors, different techniques. And it's really – it's also about inspecting and adapting. Does what you're doing now work or does it not work? And who helps you adapt are the people who are actually delivering to the customers, right? It's not a top-down bureaucratic uh, command and control system. It's supposed – now, you know, granted, sadly, that's how it's implemented many times. (laughs) Um, But it's supposed to be kind of the the bottom-up, you know, self-organizing teams. They figure out how – to do what they need to do the best way possible. And they're allowed to make changes to the process. So hmm. that's a key distinction. I think that a, a lot of companies, teams who implement it miss. And so. I didn't, I didn't realize agile was a thing outside of it. Mm-hmm. Software development specifically is my thing, but you know, there's lots right. of it that isn't strictly software development, but oh, sure. I didn't realize agile was a thing in marketing companies. It, it is. It is. Wow. Oh, yeah. I'll be darned. So, so with that background of what Agile is for my non, uh, folks that don't deal with it, uh, Monday through Friday, the, the concepts of Agile, this, what I really wanted to pick your brain about is a specific part of Agile, which is called story points. 
And the story points, and you know, again, correct me when I screw this up. <laughs> the story points, the ideal is that any given task that needs to be accomplished, and I'll just call them issues because my tracking system calls them issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but any given issue that needs to be resolved, the idea is that before you go into one of these two-week cycles called a sprint, mm-hmm. that you determine what the a number of story points is for mm-hmm. that specific issue. Mm-hmm. And that way I can know that in my two-week uh, uh, cycle of time mm-hmm. that I should be able to accomplish this certain week workload in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that way my two-week sprint doesn't get overbooked or underbooked or whatever. And I think I've already gone into... Uh, story points are a concept of time, but what I wanted to ask you about is that there's there there's a train of thought, or there's a there's there are there are people who write blog posts which say um, that story points are not supposed to be based on time. That what's supposed to happen is that you're supposed to determine your story points via complexity mm-hmm. or level of effort, mm-hmm. um, and that the numbers attached to any given story uh, issue, sorry. The story point number attached to any given issue is indicative of how complex a problem is, but not necessarily time-based. Mm-hmm. And this is the crux of what I want to uh, get to you with, whether or not time-based story points uh, is a thing. And if, it's, if, if not using time makes sense, help me understand how the process mm-hmm. can work if it's not based on time. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> Where to begin? <laughs> In the well, beginning. So, so I, I, I was trying to, I was trying, I was like, because this thing came up and I was like, oh man, I need to talk to a, an agile coach about this. So, <laughs> so, and you're the only agile coach I know. So welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, so, okay. Lots of, lots of things there. So I would say that, um, the, uh, I was guilty of doing the same thing and I would always correct people when people, when they would say time or they would say how long, you know. How long will this take? I would say, no, it's complexity. It's how complex the problem is. Um, over the years, I found the error of my ways. And effort, there's two things, right? Effort is really how much work, which equates to time, how long it's going to take. If a problem is incredibly complex, it's going to take longer. Right? Uh, yes. Telling me or asking I'm, me? I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm uh, uh, validating with you. <laughs> well, in my way of thinking, it makes a lot of sense to try to do time-based estimation. Mm-hmm. So in my way of thinking, story points based on time mm-hmm. makes sense because the project manager's job is to figure out, okay, amongst all the people that are working on mm-hmm. this thing, how much work do they need for this two-week period? Right. And the sprint is in a two-week you know, the sprint is confined in yep. two-week chunks of time. Yes, yes. And if you don't know how long any one thing inside a sprint is going to take, then what's the point of having sprints? And if you don't have sprints, then aren't we out of the Agile box? And You're right. I think there's been a um, – it, it is time. In a nutshell, it is, it is really time. it is really how much time it's going to take. Oh, I thought okay? I was going to have a big <laughs> – No, I'm sorry. You're not going to have a debate. <laughs> but but I, I, th- I think this is an important <laughs> issue because um, there's been this – the reason people are arguing against that, yeah. I think, um, is that developers have been beat over the head with their estimates, right? You said this is going to take 20 hours, take 60 hours, because now it becomes a promise. So there's been an effort by the Agile community over the last decade, 15 years or so. Let's just get away from time. 
we will deliver a certain number of things to the customer, right? And we'll know we need ways to measure our capacity to know how much we can deliver. Mm-hmm. So for don't talk time. So there, I think that the pendulum has swung so far the other way that people are starting to fool themselves that time doesn't matter. There's an example in, um, uh, Mike Cohn, you know, Mike Cohn wrote a book called Agile Estimating and Planning. So I suggest everybody get that book and, and give that a read. It's a great read. Um, but in his blog post, he, he there's this, these debates on complexity versus time and efforts and, and whatever. And he's like, okay, so you have a task and this is in software development, but one, one thing you have to do is lick a thousand stamps. Mm-hmm. You don't have a machine for some reason. You don't have a machine. And for some reason, you have to lick stamps. You have to lick stamps, <laughs> right, which is horrible. And you don't even have a little sponge or anything. you got to lick them, you know. Um, and then you also have to perform a minor brain surgery. Which one is going to be more complex? It's well, the brain, brain surgery, surgery, of yeah. course, right? But they might take about the same time, amount of time. So you would give them the same number in this case. Because what does the business really care about? They care about time. I'm sure you've had tasks that are completely repetitive that you have that just takes forever to get this thing done, and it's mundane. Well, I try to automate those. You try to, but sometimes sometimes for some reason you can't get away from those. Mm. So there's a couple things that go into time, though. There's risk. How risky is this? Like, are are we dependent on somebody else, and they may fall through? Um uh, there's, uh, the complexity itself. How hard of a problem is this to solve? This might be very, we've never done this before, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to impact time. And then there's that repetitiveness factor. And all three of those factors should be taken into account where you give it a number. Yeah. And this number is some arbitrary scale mm-hmm. that you give it. So management doesn't think, oh, this is going to take X hours and they start doing all this crazy weird budgeting and dropping the hammer down if people don't get, you know, complete something in a certain number of hours because that's historically what's happened. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, I, I, I totally understand that there's all kinds of problems with estimation, like getting mm-hmm. good estimates out is mm-hmm. non-trivial. And there's, there's all kinds of problems like, well, if you left me alone for 24 right. hours – of right. solid work, mm-hmm. um, which elapses in 72 hours of actual clock time, wall mm-hmm. clock time, mm-hmm. um, then I could have this done. But the reality of my workload is that things will come in and, you know, I, it right. takes me a week and a half to get 24 hours of actual exactly. coding done or exactly. whatever. Um, but I, I, so I think you are advocating that story points be based on time. Be based on time, ha! but I win. And and there's a there's a you are a winner, Jay. We all know you're a winner. <laughs> um, there, there's two ways to start, right? So sometimes the whole point concept is very, I don't know, abstract. It's too abstract for people. The idea, the best way to estimate is to look at something you did before that was similar, and give it the same number as that, whatever size, how much time that was. Yeah. Right. That's the best way to do it. And so that's when you estimate in an agile environment, it's always looking at something you did and comparing it to that or comparing it to something else that you're familiar with. Hopefully and you say, you know what? This is about twice as big. It'll take twice as much time 
is that. Yeah, because the, the idea there is that you can start measuring velocity. Absolutely. Right? So when you look back at the history of sprints, mm-hmm. you can see trends up down for individual uh, right. people. You can see how much work they got done. Done right. meaning it's completed and it was so many story points. Exactly. And then you can see, oh, yeah, that your your velocity went to went down mm-hmm. because you were on vacation. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Your velocity is way up. What happened? Did we overestimate that? Or you, know, right. you were just you know drinking lots of caffeine <laughs> or what was going on? Um, yeah, and I, I totally understand, especially in, an, in a smaller environment with less people involved, how velocity metrics can work really well mm-hmm. in a you know in like a very simple kanban mm-hmm. type system. Um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of times, if things aren't not are not well defined yet, you end up spending a lot of time just in the definition process. Unless you try to account for definition and story points, then you and there's techniques to, t- to handle that too. So on the team that I'm working with now, there's a lot of aspects to our pointing. One aspect is kind of coming up with that definition. Yeah. There, of course, there's the development. Sometimes we have external dependencies. And, of course, there's the testing part of that. Um, and I'm finding in our environment it, it's like this. In a lot of other environments it's like this, too. Testing is so much more effort than, especially, you know, where there's a lot of data moving around. There's a lot of scenarios. Testing is by far the largest effort. Oh, yeah. And even in my development process, I spend the majority of my time trying to set up a failing test. Exactly. And then once I have it pinned down for sure, mm-hmm. usually the code is 10, 15 minutes. Yes. But it can take forever <laughs> to figure out exactly where that, you know, thing fails. Right. You know, and so that's not really, well, I guess that is developer time because I'm a developer, I guess. But it yeah, is. It's, it, it's, you know, in test-driven development, so much effort goes into trying to frame the mm-hmm. thing so I can finally get to the source code and fix it. <laughs> right, right. And, and and the mistake a lot of teams do too. Well, first of all, you should have a cross-functional team. You should have developers and testers and yeah. analysts on, on the same team, and everybody participates yeah. in the estimation. Um, and and I see there's a tendency to for people to for some reason only count developer time. Mm. Right. Well, developer time is. An eight. Let's just give it a number. An eight. Mm-hmm. Well, shoot, tester time is twice that. So you know, but for some reason, you know, we've got. I don't, I don't know. People care about the developer time more. I'm not sure, but it's all. That's where the points should. They should take into account everything. Right to deliver to deliver the product that finished. product absolutely. Right. Yes. And at the end of the sprint, you're supposed to deliver the final product. That's the idea of the sprints, right? Is that it doesn't it's, have it's to an be... iterative product, but you have a concrete list of things that are now in that release yes. at the end of the sprint. You don't Stamp. have to release. That is not you do, it's not uh, necessary to release at the end of a sprint. Okay, but there is a concrete list of things that are in that yes. block of there's there's a definition of done for each story, right? So yeah. it has to be potentially shippable. Right. Yeah. So it may not be in production, but it's basically it's going to roll in with the next release. Ideally, if you're doing continuous deployment, then it might be that it might be at the end of the iteration. Who knows? So, well, so, so I'm not sure if this is tangential or not, but getting to a continuous deployment environment, does that kill your sprints or are you just delivering 20 times in one sprint? How does that work? If you're if you're good enough to do continuous deployment and you can deploy daily, then maybe the concept of sprints isn't so important anymore. Okay. 
right? Then you move more towards a continuous kind of a flow. Yeah. And you can still measure velocity. Right. People's, how much are you getting done? Exactly. And, you know, that's weird. You're getting half as much done as this other person. Or that's weird. You're getting twice as much done as this other person or whatever. Well, it's not about the people. It's about the team. Um, as <laughs> right? an individual in the team, <laughs> sometimes for me, it becomes about, <laughs> right, right. And, and that's one of the ideas of agile too. It's kind of, you know, and that, that, that can cause problems sometimes too. It's like, well, individuals, you know, you're competitive. Everybody's a little competitive. They want to well, be really good. good and that's good. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, but you know, our, um, reward structure is all geared towards making that, ind- you know, the individual is rewarded, not the team itself. Uh. So ideally with a self-organizing team, it's the team gets credit, the team is rewarded, right? So it's, it's, we try to, and and the team measures itself. And the team votes people off the island? They could. I mean, that's a, that's a self, that's a self-managing team, which exists. I don't, I've never been in one of those environments. It'd be interesting, but they do that. There are companies that do that. And you drop into all kinds of different environments, right? I haven't been in a self-managing environment yet. Yeah. So I only know people who have and and have read about it. But yeah, it's everything I've read and talked to people. They say they say it's great. But you've got to change your whole management philosophy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And hiring the right people is extremely important at that oh, point. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> like and it. guess who hires? The team, the team hires. <laughs> yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yes. Hmm. So. So one thing too, back to estimating is that some teams will start out, actually in extreme programming, they started with measuring an ideal weeks, ideal man weeks. So it was still based on time. Um, that's Then that changed a little later to ideal man days. Um, What's the difference between agile and extreme again? Agile is the umbrella word for all these other meth- uh, methodologies that exist. So they all have something in common. They're all iterative. Um, you know, they all use some kind of time boxing agile and extreme pro or I'm sorry, extreme programming and scrum are very similar, I think, except extreme programming focuses a lot more on the software development practices. Scrum says nothing at all about software development practices. It just says you need to do good, <laughs> do good work. <laughs> Is extreme always pair programming? Uh, they advocate for always pair programming. Yeah, yeah they do. Mm. They do. That's a tough pill to swallow. I know for a lot, for for a lot, but because uh, then then how do you estimate? Well, it's a team estimation. The team estimates. The yeah, the team inside the team. The team, right? That are gonna if you pair a program, any given task, there's two mm-hmm. of you, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to figure out, okay, well, mm-hmm. how are we gonna deliver all of this stuff in the context of this sprint sure. working together? Sure. And sometimes I'll see developers and testers pair also. Mm. That that's a that's a very actually that's a pretty good combination. Is that usually in environments where developers aren't developing a lot of their own tests? Like yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so I I try to be very pure test driven uh-huh. development. You know I try to the first thing I do is I write the failing tests before mm-hmm. I ever because otherwise I end up delivering something that was not what I thought it was. Um, right. So hopefully by the time it gets to QA, I've already you know air quotes proven and air quotes right uh, that it already works hopefully in my environment at least and, and that's great and hopefully that's the same as a qa environment uh yes and, and you feel very proud of that because in a lot of environments <laughs> that, that's not the case uh, yeah 
Well, and then they do their own. They write their own automated test suite on top of maybe then human regression. Right. I'm just saying in my day job. Right. Um, so hopefully by the time it gets to production, it's been through the ringer. So we'll right. see. Right. It's, it's always, you know, <laughs> right. hopefully. <laughs> I think that's what's important too about test first because, I mean, this is – it's going to impact your estimates. If you do test first, it's going to make the, everything easier. And I've seen too, when people don't do any kind of test first idea that the architecture itself, because the tests inform the architecture. Mm-hmm. If, if, if something is really, really hard for you to test, like you have an idea of how to build something, let's say, and also yeah. you find that you've backed yourself in a corner and like, dang, you can't automate tests for it now. Maybe you've, designed this incorrectly. Maybe right. there's a better design. Wow, this is a pain to use. Right, uh, right. Here I am trying to use it. It's, it stinks. Right. Let's rethink how we exactly made this in the first place. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. So there you go. Cool. Well, that was easy. That was easy. <laughs> <laughs> so, story points based on time. It is based on time. That's right. <laughs> and as far, as far as the scale, I don't know, do you guys use the uh, Fibonacci sequence? Well, so when you get into effort, and mm-hmm. then the Fibonacci sequence comes up. Mm-hmm. That to me is just an additional layer of nonsense on top of, well, I mean, the, so there's my bias. Obviously my bias is towards time-based estimation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I don't understand how changing the, I mean, it can be any, you can, you know, you might as well use Roman numerals. I mean, who cares? That but is correct. I don't get it. That is correct. I, I would say stay away from hours though. Well, if you're, but the Fibonacci only applies to non-time-based estimation, right? Like it's it's still time. A, oh, you can a, do a Fibonacci thir- sequence based. But on we're not time. calling it hours. We're just calling it. This is a five-pointer. Might take any on your team because every team's a little bit different. The team might decide a five is going to take anywhere between two to three days. Oh yeah, no, that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, a thirteen is going to take. If you have a three-week sprint, let's say maybe a thirteen will take um, a week and a half. Right, but it but from that but you number, all you yeah. can calculate. Time. You, then you can you can calculate okay. it. Yeah, you can calculate. But it, and and uh, you know the point, like you said, is to determine what your velocity is. But the point of the Fibonacci sequence is to not assume that a twelve is twenty percent more than a ten. The point of the Fibonacci sequence is to force people into this. Holy crap! Things are getting logarithmically more complicated. Is that the? It idea? is t- um, the reason. And I don't even know who came up with the Fibonacci sequence because on the real sequence is not. They break the Fibonacci sequence at twenty. His name wasn't Fibonacci. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he Sorry came up with it. to use it in agile. Oh, oh okay. that's what I meant. You're right. It was Mr. <laughs> Fibonacci. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the idea is to use a nonlinear scale. Uh, to basically say, as the numbers get larger, so as the distance between the numbers get larger, the numbers themselves get larger. So that means it's riskier. We don't know. A 13 might, t- you know, we, we don't, we think it's going to take, you know, from our standards, it's about a week and a half, but it's pretty big. Yeah. Um, and a lot of teams, what they'll do is it, it, they'll, they'll, the goal, the best case scenario would be to, to be so good at slicing your stories that every story is about the same size. Who cares if it's a, let's say, you know, like a five is two to three days. Yeah. Okay. It might be, one might take one day and one might take five days. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But if they're all roughly the same size, do you even really need to estimate anymore? Yeah. And by the way, there's a no estimates movement movement out there. To get rid of estimates altogether, but the, but the idea there is that you flatten every flatten issue, flatten it out, a single 
rough right. amount of time-ish yes. that it'll take. Yes. Yeah. Which is hard. Which is really hard with high-risk things. Absolutely. Where is. you're like, uh, I'm going to be ripping through the guts of this mission-critical system, and mm-hmm. hopefully my regression suite's still going to pass, but if it doesn't... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but after, after you iterate so, through that, when you rip through the guts, over time, you're refactoring things, things are getting better, and then every new piece of functionality you have to deliver, hopefully, will you can slice it to where it's about oh, the yeah. same size. Yeah, I'm big on refactoring so that you can approach it next time. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything that you're scared to touch mm-hmm. means that you better go touch it because if you don't, then someday you're going to have to and then you're screwed. Right. And if you force yourself to go touch that thing that you're terrified of, then it becomes less terrifying mm-hmm. the next time you have to touch it. Exactly. So to me, when people say, hey, that thing is crazy and you don't want to go in there, that to me is an indicator that it needs to be addressed. Absolutely. Not that it should be avoided because avoiding it's the worst thing to do. You're a very responsible developer, Jay. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> I tried it. Yeah. And I mean, I will also try to not be the person assigned to that thing that I'm doing. Right. Like I will hide behind other people in the team so that they have to do it. Not me. Uh, but yeah. But yeah, it is, it, it's, yeah, that, that's a huge thing for me is that <sighs> anything that is that hairy mm-hmm. and if we can be, if we can tackle the problem at a business level to make it less hairy from a business level, that's mm-hmm. ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is that complicated from a business problem perspective, then hopefully the implementation of the solution of that hairy beast Mm-hmm. is at least extremely well documented is hopefully you know multi-step modular so you can mm-hmm. know that it's step 17 that's breaking right, right not somewhere in the spaghetti it's breaking right um, and how do you estimate something like that you're 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 R&Ding that at that point you're yeah, just you trial know, and error 2 hours and 2 months depending on <laughs> right <laughs> depending on when i touch this does everything go sideways or not right right exactly so, and one of the things too about the scale, um, uh, or what number set to use, I suppose some people will do the, you know, the, 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 you know, one, two, four, eight, sixteen. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, it's easier to compare, right? So in the Fibonacci-ish scale that they use, well, if it goes, you know, we have a twenty, and then we have a thirteen, and then we have an eight. So it's hard to say something's twice as much as something else but it, that's i think that's why they people like it is because well we don't really know yeah it's an estimate it's well, a rough idea and the vibe i'm getting from you is that's totally healthy absolutely to not know for sure it how is. long something's going to take the point is to not waste a ton of time trying to do these super precise estimates you should be doing you should be making progress it's a waste of time to do that and you know what you might Estimate something as large, and when you, when you get into it, you find out, oh, this isn't that big. It, it all comes out in the wash. Yeah. That's okay, yeah. you know, because then there's small things that end up being bigger. Right. It's just the nature of the game. As long as you slice things down to what you think is a manageable chunk, that's the best you can do. So if I have a two-week sprint, how many hours should I spend estimating? As little as possible. When the estimation, well, it depends what kind of methodology we're using here, right? Um, so the points, you have a running backlog 
And those those could have been pointed out a long time before you actually get into that sprint. By people who aren't there anymore. That's bad. And, and they were the experts, and they're like, oh, yeah, two days, no problem. And I'm like, what? It's going to take me a day and a half to even know what's going on. Right. You'll have to repoint those if you have a whole new te- team. Yeah. And you should always be looking ahead somewhat. Spend a, like 5% of your time just kind of with a product owner if you have one. Hopefully you have a product owner and the rest of the team that would be working on this. Are stuff in the stuff in the backlog is pointed already? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not the entire backlog, though. Mm, as much as you can do. Oh, really? Sure. Oh. There's this thing called the requirements iceberg, I suppose. Have you heard of this? Uh-huh. The, the product backlog. So it's all sequenced. So the stuff at the top is stuff that you're going to work on. It's more important to the business. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The it's stuff, prioritized. It's prioritized. Sure. And so so down below, there's stuff that you might not get to for months and months. Right. What, so why bother estimating those? Why bother? But if you might be able to, if you know enough to say that's, that's friggin' big, uh-huh. give it a big number. That's okay. And then as you work your way down the iceberg, oh, yeah. you look ahead and you're like, oh, we got, this is coming up. It was, you know, when we started, it was six months. We weren't going get, to get to it for six months. It's only two iterations away. We'd better see if we can split this. So maybe in the backlog, there's a super rough estimate. Yep. Like, like the things that will probably get slurped into the next sprint mm-hmm. probably need really good estimates so that the sprint planning mm-hmm. goes okay. But things that are deep in the backlog, maybe you do like a 60-second estimate mm-hmm. where you just say that's a 1 or a 3 or a, yep. or a 80. Yes. <laughs> 1 yes. or 3, 10, 80. Those are the choices. <laughs> right. And teams get really good at this. Um, uh, they can go through these items pretty quickly, just within 30 seconds to a minute. Quick conversation. Move on to the next one. It's a it's a team exercise. Yeah, yeah. the well defined ones. Sure. Yeah. Even if they're not well defined, I mean, you you know, you. I mean, I, you know, if, you're, if you're on a brand new product, you're like, I have no idea what this even is. Yeah. Even from a business perspective, you're new. Yeah. You're on this team, and you have no idea. Well, then it's a little harder. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, that you're you know you're kind of stuck. And I've been in projects where there's you know a team of brand new consultants that have never even worked on software in that industry before. Um, and they're expected to, and there's, it's legacy software. Yeah. Uh, you know, they don't even understand the requirements at all. Does, and does anyone understand the requirements? A lot of times, no. Right. And that, and that, that's where it gets a little tricky. That's where it's important <laughs> to have a strong, really, really strong business person that yeah. understands it. And the requester doesn't work here anymore. It's like, and the uh, requester doesn't work here. Then it's, <laughs> then it's, it's, it's kind of tough to get out of that situation. There, there's no silver bullet for that. Yeah. You know, it's it's just leaving the team alone, uh, and and keeping them out of the bureaucracy and giving them if there's a, even a new business person who's now responsible, the requester's gone, but now they're there. Then you just work through it, and you and and your velocity is going to be really <laughs> slow, right? Yeah. And it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> On your note of leave the team alone, I just, I just thought it was funny that someone asked me once. Well. Would you, would you vote for time-based estimates or would you vote for effort? And I'm like, oh, if you're asking me to vote, I would vote for effort every time because there's no accountability at all. <laughs> so, you know, I, I say, oh, it's a seven, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to deliver it in this, you know, calendar year or anything. But, with, with, you know, if it's not based on time, and how would, you know, how would a project manager ever try it to, does, you know, out a sprint? yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. You know, I mean, you have to have some kind of, you have to be grounded somewhere. 
Right. It has to be in time. You only have so many hours in the week, you know, and whatever. And and what I've seen over and over is that – so what I've started with teams and we start the ideal days, right? All right, so here's this thing we have to do to build a report, let's say. Um, and we talk about, you know, points and they're all confused and how much, how many ideal days, like how many days, heads down, no interruptions. I don't care if it takes the whole team, I, you know, whatever it takes. How quickly could we get this done? Oh, you get it done in three days. Mm-hmm. We'll call it a three. This thing, this report is now a three. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a three. So now we, we, you know, experience another story where, it's it's maybe another report. I'm like okay, so this one we gave a three. It took three days, but they may not remember that. It's mm-hmm. just a three. Now what about this report? Oh, it, how is this new one compared to this one that you gave a three? Oh, it's. And I'll ask: Is it twice as big? Four times? Oh, it's it's at least twice as big. Okay, so maybe what three times? Yeah, let's just. All right, so it's nine. And nine's not in my scale. So let's go to. Uh, maybe an eight. We'll give it an eight. Mm-hmm. It's an eight now. It's probably, if you go back to the days, it's what, three days-ish? So six to seven-ish days. So now we're, we can call them days, but it may take a lot shorter. It may take longer. And nobody's, you know, oh, you you called it, you said eight days and it took nine. Mm-hmm. There's trouble. We don't care. Yeah. You know? If a tip took a day less or a couple days more, it, it all it kind of comes out in the wash. And so teams quickly get away from this thinking of how many days, how many hours is going to take me. It's it's a three or it's an eight. Yeah. Well, we know kind of subconsciously now that it means it's about a weekish, you know, for an eight. But but once you're grounded, it's like calibrating. You're calibrating yourself from this point, you know. So um, and that's a good way to start. Actually, is you find something that'll take like middle of the road. Fi- you know, if you're gonna get, use this scale, and I don't care what scale we use. It really sometimes I'll just use t-shirt sizes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter to me. Let's call let's let's find a medium. Let's call a medium of five. That's a you know our scale goes from zero to twenty. Well, in that case, we'd want to give maybe a medium an eight. All right, let's 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 go through this backlog. What's about a What's a medium? And medium is, you know, X days. We all kind of talk about it. Uh, this one looks like it's about that. It'll take about that. All right. There you go. There's your, there's your stake in the sand. This is now a medium. And then from that, you can look at other things and the teams always, always can tell if it's about the same size, if it's bigger or if it's smaller. Yeah. Always. And then it doesn't matter about, then time just kind of goes away. It's because then the team knows that bigger takes longer, smaller doesn't take as long. Right. But we stop thinking about hours and and wrapping ourselves around the axle from that perspective. Yeah. From and I I understand not and even days, but even days. Yeah. About it. Yeah. But what I'm hearing you saying is all of that is still on the in the on the back end of it. If I'm a project manager or if I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. You know, measure velocity and get metrics. Mm-hmm. I I still can. It's just mm-hmm. that I know that these things shift over time and they change. And right. I, I will try to you know understand what those yep. things mean. And I have seen over and over, and it kind of blows my mind a little bit how well it works. So when you have the same team that's estimating the, yeah. the team that's doing the work, um, we have our pointing session. We'll find our middle ground and we'll size accordingly. And uh, the team will 
go through and say, all right, we're, we feel like we can deliver this in two weeks. <laughs> Emotionally. <right>? Emotionally <laughs> feel. <laughs> it's a gut check. It's a though. gut check. We feel that we can do this after some discussion. Yeah. And they almost always come pretty close. Now I'm talking mostly about teams who have worked on a product for a long time and they're transitioning to agile. So they know the code. They know they, they have some experience in that area. Yeah. Um, they, they usually come pretty close and, and it's always very consistent. And let me tell you a story. There was a team years ago. Um, we had gone through this pointing. We actually retroactively pointed stories to get a velocity. Well, how much do we do? Uh, we did about 30. Okay. So, all right. So we're in our sprint planning session and the team felt for one of the leaders of the team felt very strongly that we had to deliver a certain amount by at the end of that iteration is a three week iteration points or specific points, deliverables, uh, specific deliverables, which ended up adding uh, up to 69 points. Okay. And so we had retroactively pointed and then we used what their goal was and it ended up, you know, we use what, uh, as the basis, all, everything that the leader wanted to get done added up to 69 points. Like, and I, and I said, you've now committed to twice as much as you did last iteration. Yeah. You guys worked really hard last iteration. Oh, it's a bunch of malarkey. These points are dumb and you know, no, we, we have to do it. It's no option. And I'm like, okay. And so at the end of the iteration, they ended up completing 27 points. Yeah. So, which is not bad, which is not bad. It's pretty consistent what they did before. Yeah. So as long as it's consistent, then, you know, but since they, they're so programmed into using hours and they just didn't, they thought this was all just black magic crap, you know? Um, and it took them quite a few iterations to realize that this is, I don't, you know, I'm I'm not exactly sure why it works, but it really works and you need to listen to it, (laughs) you know? So, you know, whether we do 27, 30, you know, it varies from iteration to iteration. Well, yeah, and that's my thing is don't waste tons of time trying to come up with estimates that are going to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Put all your focus on rough estimation and delivering tons of stuff. Absolutely. And then then once that is established, you can... You can look at the metrics on velocity and right. you can tweak the, what do story points mean exactly? Sure. But the, the, the point is to put things into bite-sized chunks that are well-defined and, you know, ship it, get it shipped. I mean, that's my, that's all. Simple enough. Point. It's simple enough. Absolutely. <laughs> that is absolutely right. Um, and I know just along the estimation things, one of the things that I, in Scrum, it, they say when you do your iteration planning to break all of your stories into very discreet tasks oh, yeah. that are a day or less. Okay. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. I know it started at 16 hours or two days or less, and now it's a day or less. I I abandoned that a long time ago. And and I found that, especially in teams that really kind of, you find yourself writing the same tasks over and over, mm. right? Develop, test, document, whatever. Yeah. Okay. And development maybe only varies maybe by a couple, you know, day here. I don't know. It doesn't vary that much. Testing might vary quite a bit, but we all know what we have to do. The team is a high performing team. They know what they have to do. 
Now, now, granted, you may need tasks, and some teams decide they want to use them because it is quite complex, and we've got to really map out exactly what we have to do. But I'll tell you what, a lot of the teams I'm on now, uh, tasking is kind of kind of pointless, mm. you know. Um, and we just use points. We already have the points coming into the iteration. You have a stack of work; they're already pointed. If you see some kind of egregious you know, problem, whoa, we had a 40 on this, this is it like a two? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, well, it's, I have been in meetings where people have debated for a, an hour whether this story should be a three or a five point. A single story. A single story. For an hour. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Let's call it a four. <laughs> yeah. So, it, so and I, I think that's very valid. Spend as little time as possible estimating yeah hmm. that's great well thanks so much for the brain dump i really appreciate it did you You're want welcome. to plug your stuff one more time you we can link to all your uh, oh sure yeah i'm with a uh, 180 services uh and we do agile training agile coaching um you know we help teams kind of get started it's always kind of tough to know where to start uh so that's what we help help companies do sweet well there you great go. thanks again andre really appreciate well, thank your you. time Oh, we have clapping in the background. <laughs> nice.